The Guardian. Warning, this programme explores the offensive side of the English language. Naturally, as a result, it contains frequent use of swearing and words which some listeners may object to. What is the worst word you will say into that microphone? Oh, God. Um... Um... The worst word? (laughs) Yeah. People have all these different ways of getting around it, like euphemisms. To, to wear and to. You know, saying darn instead of damn. We're going to go down there and we're going to f*** some a- We're going to f*** some a- we're gonna The one that seems to carry the most weight seems to be... No! You son of a bitch! Hi, I'm Paul McInnes and welcome to the Focus Podcast. This week containing 20 minutes of effing and blinding, all in the name of understanding. In this programme, we'll be looking at the history and significance of swearing, as well as its cultural impact. People swear for many reasons, to emphasise, to insult, to um, make a point, to position themselves amongst other speakers in the community. And what's your opinion of swearing? Oh, I don't like swearing. I'm actually a big fan of swearing for impact. I don't think it's acceptable to swear in any circumstance, really. There can be moments. People call it bad language, dirty words, four-letter words, obscenities. We, we often hear expressions like foul-mouthed. And I think all those expressions show our attitudes currently at the, in the 21st century towards swearing. So clearly it's something that we feel uh, in particular contexts is inappropriate. Um, so it's, it's generally speaking references to bodily organs or lewd acts, etc. In, in contemporary swearing. Inappropriate references to lewd acts. That's the definition Johnny Robinson gives to swearing. He's the sociolinguistics curator at the British Library. He's been digging through the 14 million or so books at the BL to figure out the origins of bad language. If we look, for instance, at 20th century print publications, we begin to see the the appearance in print of what we would consider fairly rude words. So, for instance, we we have an item, uh, the first publication of uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover, which had to be published in Florence because it was considered so obscene and and not allowed for publication in the UK. It wasn't printed in its full version in the UK until the 1960s. Uh, And a lot of that revolves around the very explicit sex scenes, but also the use quite frequently of the F word and the C word. Ah, Lady Chatterley. Offensive in its time, but perhaps not so much so nowadays. But swearing goes back even further than the 60s, as Peter Silverton explains. He's the author of Filthy English, the how, why, when and what of everyday swearing. Every culture has sworn throughout history. If you look at the ruins of Pompeii, you can see swearing on the wall there. You look at ancient Egyptian legal documents and you can see swearing in that. One of the signs indicates that if you break this uh, contract, may you be fucked by two donkeys. So there's also something very, very central about swearing. Shut up, fat boy! Hey, don't call me fat, you fucking Jew! Eric, did you just say the F word? Jew? No, he's talking about fuck. You can't say fuck in school, you fucking fat ass. Kyle! Why the fuck not? Eric! Dude, you just said fuck again! Stanley! Fool! Kenny! What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. The thing about swearing is that it's deeply contextual. It's when these words appear out of context. I think we all admit, or most of us admit, that we use these words, particularly to express pain, to express anger, disappointment, etc. Uh, but generally, we're aware that there are certain times when you shouldn't use it in, in certain situations. Will the owner of a white station wagon please go f*** yourself? At certain points in time, blasphemy, for instance, was considered far worse than swearing. So, so any references to, to God or Jesus were considered much, much worse than references to parts of the body, for instance. The Bible calls heaven eternal bliss. I don't care how blissful it is, it's eternal. You'll get used to it. 
and then you'll be fucking bored. And in fact, I could even suggest the power of um, religious and racial words is now beginning to eclipse that of sexual words. I mean, it's, you'd be much happier for me to use the word fuck here than to, for me to describe somebody as a nigger or a packy or a coon or a wop. I find it interesting as a linguist what they choose to um, isolate as a swear word. It could be you know, about sex or um, sex-related or religion-related or body function. My name is Colleen Cotter. I'm a senior lecturer in the linguistics department in the School of Languages, Linguistics and Film at Queen Mary University of London. Sometimes people just um, make the word just part of their normal everyday discourse. You know, it just kind of blends in with their, their everyday talk patterns. And um, other people might swear, I mean, to make a point, I guess to underscore a point, um, express an emotion, violate some social norm. There's been an interesting recent trend to what's known as infixing. Things like absolutely. I mean, I think that's a wonderful word because it both retains the potency of the swear word and it is inherently amusing. I don't think I can swear on radio or into a microphone. Um, shit. The C word I can't stand. The TW word, don't yeah. use that. Um, Stupid. Bar steward. Probably fuck. <laughs> you missed it now. <laughs> Just to mention some cross-cultural issues in the US... Um, you'd say wanker and wouldn't think twice. Coming to the UK, have you found that Brits swear more than Australians? Yes, there are definitely certain words that Brits say a lot more than Australians. Are they the worst words? Yes, there's one particular word that's the worst of them all that the Brits say a lot. <laughs> the C word. I said that very comfortably because, you know, that's my um, American English um, perspective. Certainly when I'm pissed off, I will... Uh tend to cuss in Spanish just because it feels a lot more natural. We British are wonderful at swearing. If there were ever a World Cup in swearing, every year the final would be the same. It would be England versus Serbia and I reckon most times England would win by a goal or two. Do you think that poor people swear more than posh people? No, God no. I think posh people probably swear more than poor people. Or Everyone the same, I don't know. I think it's equal, really. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know very many really posh people. Um, and my only experience of uh, not very well-off people um, is the school playground, and that's, you know, fair game, whatever your <laughs> economic whatever group you is. They always say that northerners swear a little bit more, because I am from Newcastle. I do kind of get branded with that. By and large, most people do swear to different degrees, but there is a more general liberal attitude towards it in some areas of the uh, media. Guardian readers like to luxuriate in the fact that they don't get too upset by the word fuck. So it's a kind of badge of liberalism. There's a fantastic set of, of articles that look at the reporting of Wayne Rooney, who swore at a referee just in a, in a football match before the World Cup, for instance. And the Guardian uh, reported the F word, his language in full, whereas all the other new newspapers uh, used asterisks to represent the word, even though we all know that F asterisk 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 is that word. We have had... Um, the word fuck on the front page. I don't think we've ever had the word cunt on the front page. We're a serious newspaper that treats people like adults. Therefore, you've got to use the word properly, in context, within our guidelines. That's Chris Elliott. He's our reader's editor here at The Guardian. I'm just going to read out a, an extract from The Guardian's style guide that deals with swear words. 
We're more liberal than any other newspaper, using words such as cunt and fuck that most of our competitors would not use. First, remember the reader, and respect demands that we should not casually use words that are likely to offend. Second, use such words only when absolutely necessary to the facts of a piece or to portray a character in an article. There is almost never a case in which we would need to use a swear word outside direct quotes. Third, the stronger the swear word, the harder we ought to think about using it. Finally, never use asterisks, which are just a cop-out. One of the major problems that we have is where people are saying, look, my children get to the paper first. They read it before we do. And therefore, um, unlike television, where you have a post-9 o'clock watershed, you don't have that in a newspaper. What we try to do is to flag up on the front if there is a contentious article inside. And actually, we are very careful, or try to be very careful, about using swear words on the front of the newspaper, as that's the first thing someone sees, and a child may see it. What is important for us is to say, these exist, they are part of an awful lot of people's everyday existence, and we have to reflect that when we write stories for adults. OK, Chris, I'll uh, bear that in mind. Try not to fuck it up next time. So that's the papers. But what about TV? Get me um, Nicola Murray. If she says no, well, I don't know, the only other candidate's my left bollock with a fucking smiley face drawn on it. Shaft-monger ass clamp, um, sperm drivel, shitty, shitty bang bag. My name is Ian Martin, I am 57 years old, and I am apparently uh, qualified to speak on the subject of swearing because I am notionally the swearing consultant for the uh, political satire, the thick of it. Shall I go on? Uh, Slick gush. (laughs) The title, um, swearing consultant, I think was uh, was just quite, quite, you know a funny notion in the early days, just to mythologise this idea of someone being drafted in to ramp up the swearing. It seemed like quite a funny thing. I was brought in uh, latish by Armando Iannucci, and um, he just sent me the script and um, just said, "Do whatever you want, just just fuck all over it." And um, the first thing I changed i think i sent over to him which was malcolm on the phone someone saying no no he's he's fucking useless and i changed fucking useless to useless as a marzipan dildo and sent it over to um so is this is this a sort of thing you you're you're after he's yeah perfect just 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 do just shit all over it yeah just do just do that so I, I did, it was great. I just shat all over it. I hate you, I hate you. Everybody hates you. So fucking what? Some people, they just fucking love to hate. Some people, they'd fucking walk around the fucking Garden of Eden fucking moaning about the lack of fucking mobile. Do you think there's too much swearing on the movies and on TV? Um, yeah, I think there is. I think it influences children and yeah, adults as well who've never sworn before. It, they, they feel like they have to because it's like a norm. Sometimes you just find the words completely unnes- like unnecessary and you're just like, well, what's the point in swearing there? But you can't change that. That's how things have developed. Some words are completely terrible that like you'd never want to hear on TV, but they say it anyhow because it's like down and like all rustic and everything or whatever they think it is. Would you um, allow uh, Nick Robinson on the 6 o'clock news to swear if he was particularly annoyed? Would it offend me personally? No. Would I allow him to? I think 
you know, you got to pick your moments. Really, it's it's being kept to an absolute minimum as it is. So whenever it appears, it's certainly past watershed and all that. So I understand when it gets used, and I certainly don't get offended by it. Certainly, um, there is still a watershed in, in terms of broadcast terms, in terms of when certain words are allowed to be broadcast. I think there's a more liberal attitude, uh, perhaps a greater celebration of diversity in language. Uh, interestingly, the BBC recently uh, did a survey about which were considered the most offensive words in the English language. And, hey presto, the F word and the C word were number one and number two. But equally, uh, nowadays, racial terms are considered very, very difficult and, and quite rightly offensive, and therefore they're very high on our taboo words, if you like. Whereas go back 30, 40, 50 years, they probably were offensive to many people, but not to everybody. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the word nigger in and of itself. It's the racist asshole who's using it that you ought to be concerned about. But what's Ofcom's line on all this? They're the ones who have to make a call, but just how do they decide? Chris Bannett-Valler is from the communications regulator, and that's Ofcom. Having a simple list of the number of words or which or the sort of words that people find offensive isn't very helpful in terms of modern day regulation. At 10, it's packy. Arsehole is creeping in at 9. In at 8, it's bollocks. There was a list that a previous regulator had of the top 10 most offensive words. Number 2 is motherfucker. And at number 1 in the list of the most offensive words, cunt. We try to get away from that for one very important reason. Was that our understanding is that actually it's not necessarily the word itself that is potentially offensive. It's the manner in which it's used. It's the context in which it's used. A word that was, say, for instance, number 10 in the list could be used in a highly offensive manner or could be used in a very unoffensive manner. Similarly, one at number one spot could be used very, very offensively and not uh, particularly offensive. And it all depends on a matter of, of a number of factors that we take into account. Uh, fuck, cock, cunt, piss, anus, gob, shite, ass, twat, cum, tit. There are uh, occasions when you go too far for BBC compliance where they, they, they decide that, you, you know, you've had too many cunts or whatever. The episode that I was lead writer on for the, the last series has this scene where Malcolm corners uh, Phil and uh, threatens all, sort, all manner of, of things. But my original line was uh, involved Malcolm taking a like a garden trowel to Phil's nipples and eyeballs and swapping them round for a laugh which was brutal and theoretically funny but just was just too horrible. So it turns out that even Ian Martin has limits but of course in comedy it's quite common for performers to pick at the limits of acceptability. Some comedians, such as Ricky Gervais, are masters at this, judging their audience, finding their limits, and then trampling all over them. Start the clock. You f dopey. You dopey. <laughs> you dopey. We're saying goodbye to them all. It's back to their village they call. You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean. So cheer up me lads, fuck them all. Well, this is a recording by a gentleman called Gordon Hall of a song where he sings the words fuck them all, uh, which is sung to the tune of a traditional music hall song or an army song, Bless them all. 
Just an example, I think, of the way lots of people turn very popular songs. We think of terrorist football chants and things like that. Often you get pop songs, musical songs turning up in different situations where people reapply them and add swear words for amusement or for entertainment, etc., etc., as in the example here. So cheer up me, let's all, and so on. Now, isn't that fantastic? The beauty, the expressiveness of the English language, all condensed into one four-letter form. Of course, swearing and music go hand in hand. Just look at the explicit button on your iTunes. Here's the big question. What's the most offensive combination of letters in the English language? Well, Peter Silverton thinks he knows. Every culture has its ultimate swear word. I think at the moment in English, the best one is cunty bollocks. That favourite of the bloke from Oasis. Cunty bollocks, eh? I think that shows a slight lack of imagination. I feel I could actually do better than that, although modesty prevents me from so doing right now. So where's it all going? Will we end up with Her Majesty effing and blinding in one of her Christmas speeches? People are swearing more and more and, you know, there's a greater incidence of it. It could be that, you know, these words are being more accepted, but there are words that used to be um, negative, uh, words that used to be taboo, that are now, you know, okay. Taboos change and I think there will be, uh, you know, the the movement of political correctness. People have quite rightly used language that is intentionally non-offensive to certain uh, minority groups. The need to swear the need to stop people swearing, the need to enjoy swearing, the significance of it all stays at about the same level. All that changes is the specific words. So, swearing's here to stay. But in what form, what shape and how often it's used remains to be seen. If you want more, head to a new exhibition at the British Library. Evolving English runs until April. This podcast was produced by Andy Duckworth and Francesca Panetta. I'm Paul McInnes. Thanks for f-ing listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. Don't forget to start your free 14-day trial of audible.co.uk and to download your free audiobook, head to guardian.co.uk slash audible.